You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today, we are on episode 181. It's kind of crazy. We're getting up there. I don't have my calculator out, but we're we're a few years into this podcast, so we've done our best we can to keep it consistent. Uh, we've hit a few bumps, but so far we're, we're we're staying consistent. And thanks to all of you guys for listening. So anyhow, episode 181. The topic of this is who should you hire to do toxic mold testing? That's usually a question I I get quite often. Typically, you know, my clients come in when you know sometimes it's before testing, but typically what's happened is. They've hired a mold inspector. The mold inspection company comes. They do their thing. And at the end of the day, you know, typically you're just not satisfied. And then you, you know, you come across our podcast and and you reach out to me and you're like, hey, you know, we we just didn't get a very good inspector. And, you know, it's nothing personal. Um, There's a lot of inspectors out there. But it's tough to know if you're going to get the right one. And so backtracking a little bit, like, it would really help, and I know by the time my clients reach out, they already know this, but it would really help if I was involved earlier in the process. Most people don't think they need to book a consultation till they're dissatisfied with, with the their local um, mold companies. But honestly, if you're listening and, and you're just in the beginning of this, this process as far as your mold concerns, I could probably save you a lot of money and get you down the right path if you're debating whether you want a consultation or not. It's... It's well worth it. Obviously, you know, I can't be there if you're out of, you know, if you're not in Wyoming or Utah, I, unless you want to pay me a lot of money, I'm not going to be there personally to do to do anything. So that's where this question comes up. Like, well, okay, I, I finally think it's time to do some air testing. 
just to see what the air quality is in the home. So how do you go about finding the right inspector? Because obviously, like I said, I, if, I, if I'm not local, I can't do it. One of the most important things, but I'll talk about it, and I've done a podcast about it before too, you know, being a certified inspector, does that make you qualified? No, but it's part of the qualification process. But one of the top things that you need to know is to make sure that your inspector is certified. Whether it's it's required or not, I know in Utah and Wyoming, you are not required to be certified. So anybody can go out and print up business cards and be a mold inspector. Does it, does it mean that they're not good if they're not certified? No, but to me, a certification does tell me that, you know, that, that inspector or person spent the money, took the time to get certified. Obviously, the point of the certification is to walk you through you know, all the processes and standards. Um, once you get certified, normally you become a member of a foundation or, you know, whatever they want to call it, a group. And then you have standards you have to follow to be in that group. It's kind of like the bar, I'm not comparing myself to lawyers. Anyhow, that's why it's important to have somebody that is certified. Because if you were to hire somebody that's not certified, you know, what standards do they follow? Like I'm a member of NAMRI, National Association of Remediation and Mold Inspectors. I have to follow their standards. When I when I started with them years and years ago, you had to be certified to become a member. So, you know, that's where if they're not certified, what standards do they follow? Obviously, another important thing is, is are they insured? A lot of people, they ask that and, and that some people aren't sure what you're asking. Like, do I carry professional insurance or do I carry liability insurance? Just kind of a quick recap. Just a reminder, I know I've done it in previous podcasts, but liability insurance is totally different than than E&O, errors and emissions. Liability would cover, let's just say I, I put my ladder up and you have a $40,000 grand piano in your living room and my ladder falls over and it breaks it. My liability insurance would cover that. E&O or professional insurance, people word it differently, but E&O... You know, something like doctors have to carry, realtors have to to have that. And what that is, is errors and emissions. So if I was doing an inspection and I, I totally missed a mold infestation that was very visible in a mechanical room, you know it was there, I missed it. That's what, that's what E&O insurance would cover. If I mess up, that's what that covers as far as a professional perspective of something I didn't report or I didn't address. So Make sure when you're asking your inspector, are you insured, make sure you're asking what their insurance is. Beyond that, I, you know, I, I get asked, you know, when I deal with businesses or, you know, like government entities, they want a copy of your insurance, um, which states how much you're insured for. But for the most part, if I had a normal client call me and say, well, how much does your insurance cover you up to? You know, I would tell them, well, it's up to 2 million, one per, 1 million per occurrence. But I would kind of wonder like, why are, you know, what's your, what's your motives for that? So I'm not saying you can't ask your inspector, but just make sure, say, Hey, are you insured? Another thing too. So we live in the day and age of, should you just Google your inspector's name? And, and you know, is that, is that how you're going to, you know, find the best inspector? You know, a lot of times word of mouth and reputation isn't always what Google's going to tell you. Google's going to probably tell you whoever pays to for SEO stuff, stuff that's the marketing side I don't really get into. But my point is, is you know, is it good to just Google and then take the top person? My opinion, no, but it is part of the process. 
Google typically doesn't tell you how qualified the inspector is. Google could tell you, you could be a great inspector and Google could have some bad reviews. And so you're like, no, that's not a good inspector. There's, there's pros and cons to it. And you can't, my point is you can't just trust that Google knows better than you do. You know, really good inspectors can have bad comments or reviews. Just some people are just that way. So, you know, yeah, should you Google them? Yeah, you should make sure that they're an established company. You know, what, what to me, what would matter more is, is if you're going to, you know, instead of going to Google, or I guess you'd find it on Google, but I would go to the company's website. That, that usually is a really good indicator as to what type of business they run. If they don't have a website, does that mean they're bad? No, a lot of older inspectors don't. They're they don't think it's worth the money, their name's well established, and there's nothing wrong with that. On the other hand, you could be a brand new inspector, you could have an awesome website and still not be a good inspector. It can go either way, is my point. Um, but, you know, go to their website if they have one. See if they have a Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever pages on social media. That's another good indicator. You know, is there is there consistency? It's just like this podcast, you know, we've we've done the best we can. We've only hit a few hiccups where we didn't get the weekly podcast out, but for the most part, it's been very consistent. So consistency can show, you know, to you guys, my listeners, and then to my to my clients that hey, you know, it this this guy's legitimate. So also on on social media, you can you know you can follow their comments. If someone's you know, if there's always just bad review after bad review and nobody saying anything good, you, you might want to choose someone else. Anyhow. Google can help you, the computers or internet can help you, but it's not always the best answer. So what would my next suggestion be? Pick up your phone and call the inspector. And sometimes I know for myself, I don't put my number out there everywhere. Um, I do that on purpose because you get lots of telemarketers, kind of turns into being a pain. And I guess my point is, is you might not always be able to just call the inspector himself. You might have to call their marketing manager, secretary, or whoever, scheduler. If you get them, I'm not sure you're going to get a whole lot of questions answered, but you should call them. That To me, that's the best way. You get to talk to them. You get to ask them questions. When you call them, like, what would you ask them? You know, I know for me, I would ask a ton of questions, you know, and, and if, I, if I was representing you as a client, and let's just say you're in Tampa, Florida, and I was trying to find a local inspector for you, if I was to call them, I would ask them a lot more questions than I would expect you to. But like we said earlier, are you certified and insured? Are you licensed? That's something I didn't really touch on, but I did say that you don't have to be certified in like Wyoming and Utah. You don't have to be licensed either. Typically, if you have to be licensed, it's no different than, you know, if you're a member of a foundation, you have to be certified. So make sure they are licensed if it's required. I would ask them, there are simple questions you can ask that, that kind of gives you a good idea as to the type of inspector they are. So I would say, is there a pass or fail to a mold inspection? No, there's not. There's no such thing. Even when it comes to air testing, is there a pass or fail? No, there's no such thing as that. And if you've listened to me enough, you know there's way too much information that has to be put together during our investigation to just say, yeah, that's a pass or fail. There isn't. The only way I would say, yes, there's a fail to a, an air test is if Stachybotrys shows up. And even at that, um, let's say you do a visual inspection of a property and you don't find any defects, no water stains, and one of the air samples comes back with a 
raw count of one or a trace of stachybotrys. Well, I wouldn't say that's a fail. It's just, you know, maybe maybe the lab misinterpreted something or, or whatnot. So anyhow, that is a, a good question to know whether an inspector has the knowledge. Is there a pass or fail? Another thing is, is how much is the inspection? You know, a lot of times they'll say, well, the inspection's $350, but then we charge another $100 per uh, sample we send off to the lab. Well, if, if you want to do air testing, you have to do two tests, so you're already at $500, $550. Those are questions you need to know. And it, after that they do, let's just say, so what, what I do and what my company does is we offer a, a package, which is literally an inspection on site and two tests. If we're doing air tests, that's one test outside, one inside. Does it require more? Most likely you're going to need more. So what you need to know is, is how much does each sample cost? Because we're charging you what the lab fees are. If I go in and I say, well, you need five more tests and it's $100 per test. If you're over $1,000, you kind of want to know that before you get into it. Make sure, you know, that they, that they know, you know, what... And if the I guess my point is is that they know this is what we have to do. We can't just do standalone testing, which I've talked to you about that. Our listeners know we cannot just walk into a property, run our machines, and take air samples or tape lifts and walk away and deter- to get a to get a clear picture. We don't offer that. We used to. We don't even do that anymore. And the reason behind that is is it's no different than what I just said. Multi- it's so complex that. If you just take one little piece of that puzzle, it's not going to give you the whole picture. So make sure if you have a, a inspector and he says or she says, yeah, we come in. If you only want air tests, we only charge this. The, those air test results aren't going to mean much to you when, when they didn't do an inspection of the property. Because if they didn't crawl up on the roof or get in the crawl space or, you know, test all the plumbing components, those air tests doesn't really tell us anything except for what the lab sees. And just like a doctor, you don't just have blood work. They do the physical on you to see what what your body shape is like. So make sure you're not going to go with a company that does standalone testing. So what's our call to action? We, you know, if you're not looking for a mold inspector, I want to touch on this. You should have your home inspected and tested for mold. And you should do it at least every other year. You can do that sooner if you feel like it's making you sick, but it is very important. So if you are one of those clients that you don't know if you should have a mold inspector in, make sure you get one in there that does a full mold inspection and some sort of air testing. Um, For those of you that are already planning on doing it, make sure, like I said, you you go through and make sure that they're qualified. Um, If you can't get them on the phone, make sure through the internet that, that they're qualified to do it. So Once again, I want to thank all of you for listening to the Toxic Bolt Podcast. This was episode 181. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the Mold Investigation Checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free Mold Investigation Checklist today. You can also, on cnccontractorservices.com, find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com. Thank you.